is here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Number 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. A friend of mine sent me a text today and asked this question, America. If Kaepernick believes the NFL is like slavery, then why does he keep trying out for teams? And why does he keep complaining that no team will take him? If it's like slavery... Why would you volunteer to be a slave? Right, Mr. Producer? Ah, the left is so stupid. Time and again. Time and again. Just like the media. Do you realize CNN has really no ratings? CNN has no reason to exist. And one of the reasons, of course, is because they call people racists with whom they disagree. They call white people racists. They bring on... One nut job after another, one bigot after another, to call their audience racist. I guess they haven't figured it out yet. MSLSD collapsing. Same thing. And you know, when you consider the fact that they both cover the same territory, they both bring on the same kind of nut job Marxists, they both have the same kind of hosts, really, really stupid, but lockstep with the Marxists and the Democrat Party, one of them has to go, right? But the reason they won't go is this. Because AT&T owns CNN, and they'll pour as much money as they want to into it, and Comcast owns MSNBC, and they'll pour as much money as they want into it as well. These are the corporatists. And that needs to be one of our focus right now. Just as the school boards and the schools are, The corporations need to be as well. They're not allied with us. They don't believe in capitalism. They believe in preference. They want to destroy competition. Not all, but the big guys, most of them. And so as shareholders, and most of you are shareholders, you may not even know it, but it takes nothing to be a shareholder, a few bucks. You have a right to go to their board meetings and object. You have a right to go to their board meetings and make some noise. No violence, of course. We leave that to the left. But you get my point. 
this movement, and it is a movement, must continue even more aggressively than before. Do you realize how cable TV doesn't even realize this movement exists? Do you realize how the Washington Compost and the New York Slimes don't even realize this movement exists? And I could go down the list. Why? Because none of them are part of it. None of them are part of it. They analyze, they look back, they try and figure out what's going on, they have their own ideas, their own narratives, they project and so forth and so on. They have no idea what you're doing, who you are, and how you're doing it. But I do. We all do. Now what did the Democrats learn from the elections in Virginia, New Jersey, Texas, Colorado, Kansas, New York, all over the country, Pennsylvania? What did they learn? Well, it's like any group of insane Marxists. Put your foot down further on the gas pedal. It's not that their agenda is a problem. It's that they haven't passed it yet. It's that they haven't passed it yet. And this from Politico, really one of the mouthpieces for the Democrat Party and the American Marxist movement, along with Media Matters and Mediate, of course. Pelosi aims to push domestic agenda double whammy despite centrist holdouts. I go, wow. Has she caught Bidenitis? I think she has. Speaker Eva Stretch Nancy Pelosi wants to vote on Biden's sweeping domestic spending plan as soon as Thursday evening. By my calculation, America, it's now Thursday evening. First, she has to convince moderate holdouts who want more time to digest the $1.75 trillion bill. Now, this is why they wanted to pass it on October 3rd, Halloween. Because they knew they were going to get their asses kicked. And now it's going to be a little harder because the phony moderates will be fully exposed. They should be exposed anyway, but will be fully exposed if they embrace any part of this. Like this guy Gottheimer, <coughs> excuse me, from Bergen County, New Jersey. I don't mean to be picking on him. Actually, I do. Pelosi and her leadership team spent a chaotic day today hustling to narrow the number of holdouts on the sweeping bill, which includes centrists who've raised procedural concerns, as well as a trio of Democrats who threatened to oppose the bill without immigration reform. That whip effort intensified throughout the day with Democrats on the floor twisting arms and members of Biden's cabinet making calls as top Democrats scrambled to get their members on board with the massive bill. Things are starting to move in the right direction. Conversations have all been positive, said House Democratic Caucus Chair Hakeem Jeffries of New York. Everybody understands this has to happen. I do expect a vote tonight, said House Majority Whip Jim Clyburn. Remember him? Yeah, federal law enforcement made up of stormtroopers, that Jim Clyburn. A key part of Pelosi's push today has been directed at the five centrist Democrats who publicly declared they'd be unwilling to back the full bill until Congress's nonpartisan scorekeepers, that's the Congressional Budget Office, can prove that the legislation will be fully paid for. Now, more on that in a minute because the University of Pennsylvania did a review and they said, no, this is actually going to cost Americans trillions. Now, who are you going to believe? Real people or the thugs and hacks and reprobates uh, that make up the Democrat Party in Washington? Privately, even more centrists have aired the same grievance. Between 12 and 15 moderate Democrats, many from swing districts, those swinging districts, have privately told leadership they won't be ready to vote Thursday 
unless they have more clarity about exactly what's in the bill, what's in the bill. After a slew of changes were unveiled a day earlier, according to multiple people familiar with the discussions, I heard the uh, president's deputy press idiot today say, the president ran on this, the people want it. And you have members of the Democrat Party in the House saying, we don't even know what's in the bill. No, but the people want it. After she was hearing concerns from moderates, Pelosi told reporters as she left the floor, <laughs> uh, she said, we're not hearing concerns. We're doing our work. We'll let you know. She's such a liar. She's such a liar. Senior Democrats had hoped to make progress with those moderates thanks to the Joint Committee on Taxation, which released a slew of budgetary information earlier today. The committee's incomplete estimate found at least $1.48 trillion of spending in the bill would be covered by the legislation's funding sources. No, it won't. No, it won't in the least. It's essential the legislation's fully paid for, for and reduces the debt. So they're going to spend almost $2 trillion. They're going to put in place new entitlements, freebies. And that, you see, is going to reduce the debt. How stupid do they think you are? Now, their base is stupid. Their base is stupid. But how stupid do they think the rest of America is? Not that stupid. Several centrists who huddled to discuss the uh, budgetary score later in the day privately said they still needed more information before a floor vote on the social policy measure. It's not just the budgetary score. Many centrists have also refused to vote for a bill that won't pass the Senate with new provisions on immigration and paid leave provisions that face a grim future across the Capitol. It's hard to make a decision when you haven't seen the full text, and there hasn't been a Congressional Budget Office score, but I'm hopeful, said Representative Kathleen Rice, Democrat New York. Regardless, Pelosi and her leadership have been forceful in their efforts to bring the massive spending plan to the floor Thursday evening, with a Friday vote on the Senate-passed infrastructure bill, she told members in a closed-door meeting today. Those remarks came during a two-hour meeting of Democrats, where the committee chairs painstakingly outlined the provisions of the massive domestic policy bill as they readied members to vote for one of the largest bills in history. Okay, one of the largest bills in history. We just had an election where parents insisted to have a role in their local schools. This is one of the largest bills in history. It's actually the largest bill in American history. And you and I don't get to participate. It's utterly oblique. You have members who don't know what's in the bill. How are you and I to know what's in the bill? Don't we get to participate? Isn't this a representative republic? This has been my point all along. You and I don't get to know what's in it, despite the fact it's the largest bill in American history. And it's not just a spending bill. It's a transitional bill. How do we know that? Because the dummy in the Oval Office has said so. We're going to transition our economy. (laughs) Anyway, as they prepared for a last-ditch push today, senior Democrats said they made key progress in several areas of contention, which includes immigration. See, it's all process for you and me. We don't get to know the substance. It's all process. Oh, look what's going on. There's immigration progress. Well, what would that be? The trio of Democrats who had refused to back the bill without immigration reforms are now expected to back Biden's spending bill, though they say they remain unsatisfied. Well, what are they? House Administration Chair Zoe Lofgren, uh, she's from San Jose. 
confirmed to Democrats in the closed-door meeting that a pathway to citizenship, a long-sought goal for Democrats, would not be in their legislation. You know, the parliamentarian in the Senate already said that's a no-go, but they don't care. They could care less. Democrats are still hopeful they've made a breakthrough on immigration, but there's still an enormous hurdle. And what's the breakthrough? We have no idea. We have no idea. Months of infighting, it goes on and on and on. If the American people, listen to me, if the American people were behind this bill, if we knew exactly what's in the bill, there wouldn't be this battle going on. They would pass it. They keep saying the American people want this. The American people want this. The American people want this. Well, if the American people want it, why can't they pass it? Because the American people don't want it, and they don't even know what's in it. And that's a good reason not to want it. Parents should have a role in their schools, and we should have a role in our government. We should have a role in the biggest bill in American history. Still not enough, of course, for the Marxists. But who cares? This Sunday on Life, Liberty, and Levin, two great guests, Kevin McCarthy, the Republican leader in the House, should be very interesting, and former governor, former senator of Virginia, that's right, Allen, George Allen, good man. I hope you'll watch it. And of course, my monologue which all the hosts sit there and they listen carefully like I'm E.F. Hutton as they take notes. I'll be right back. Lovin. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. Ladies and gentlemen, the red-blooded American patriot, truck driver, we know we love our truck drivers here, defeated a, uh, a 30-year hack, power-hungry, power-wielding hack, the Democrat leader in the New Jersey Senate, and our buddy Joel Pollack, who interviewed him for Breitbart, Learn that uh, Edward Durr, one of the shows he watches, is Life, Liberty, and Levin. Did you know that, Mr. Producer? So, Edward, we give you a shout-out, my friend. Let's see if we can get Edward on next week. Maybe he would like to do that. 
He's been everywhere, but he hasn't been here. And that's the key. A citizen candidate spends a total of $5,000. And uh, everybody's saying 153, but he corrected that. A total of $5,000. His opponent spent a million dollars. Took his constituency for granted. And Edward Durr won. He's now a state senator in New Jersey. I'm telling you, I'm so proud of him and proud of all of you. All of you. It's our little secret. You built this movement. It's our little secret. Yes, yes, yes. Because nobody wants to hear it, but you know it. By the way, folks, starting this weekend, this is kind of fun. This weekend and every Saturday going forward, we're going to have a best of podcast. You can download my best of podcast to hear great highlights and insights that you need as we take back America from the American Marxists that are destroying this country. You can listen on Apple or Spotify or whatever and wherever you get your podcast. And I think you're going to love it. Mr. Producer puts them together just for you. So starting this weekend, every Saturday going forward, download my Best Up podcast to hear great highlights and insights. The Best Up. And we want to get, use as many platforms and get to as many ways as possible. And I said, it's still in the back of my mind to do a one-hour podcast each day. Uh, I'd like to do it just for competitive purposes, too. You know how I am, Mr. Producer. Plus, sometimes I run out of time, you know, three hours. Some people, oh, we slog through three hours. Host. Not me. I'm raring to go after three hours. I'm not done. Although maybe some of you have had enough, but I'm not done. And, uh, and I think that could be fun. I just have to find uh, time in the day to do it. I've got two TV shows I write, plus my radio show, and I want to make sure they are as quality presented as best as I can. I don't want to take anything from the quality of what we already are doing. But we'll see. You never know. We've got a ton more. I'll be right back. The Mark Levin Show, where we create the talking points. Call in now, 877-381-3811. That's why they hate me, but that's okay. That's okay. I told you before I'm going to demonstrate to you what a liar Pelosi, Biden, and the whole crowd of Democrats are about this. Not only being zero, now they say it will actually help cut the debt. This from Breitbart, Wharton study, Build Back Better will not be free. Net cost, $2.42 trillion. The Wharton School of the University of Pennsylvania will reportedly issue a study Wednesday that reveals Biden's reconciliation package will not be free. It will not cut the debt, even though the White House has claimed it will cost zero dollars. Punchbowl News reported that the package's provisions become permanent. It would increase new spending by $3.98 trillion, and American taxpayers would incur $1.56 trillion in new taxes. When a 10-year window, the package is expected to cost the taxpayers $1.87 trillion, with an additional $1.56 trillion in taxes levied on American workers and families. Moderate Democrats are particularly interested in scoring the legislation. Well, then they ought to take a look. 
They ought to take a look. Despite the Wharton study, the White House has claimed multiple times the legislation will cost nothing. And you heard, you heard Pelosi say, not only will it cost nothing, it's going to cut the debt. This is how thoroughly dishonest and diabolical these bastards are. Thoroughly. And in October, uh, a reporter finally questioned the White House about Biden's claim. Does the president still believe the Build Back Better will not add a dime to the national debt? Pasaki was asked. Correct, it won't. Then why should Americans believe that, the reporter asked. Because it won't, Pasaki said flatly. Folks, these people are liars, liars, liars. In every respect. They are liars, and the American people are sick and tired of it, even in the blue states. The American people are sick and tired of it. I mean, the Wharton School, right? Isn't that one of the top schools of economics and so forth? Yes. The answer is yes. In finance? Gee. And you're going to rely on these old, long-in-the-tooth Democrat politicians who've already brought this country to the brink of bankruptcy, who've already stolen all the money out of the Social Security trust funds. They've already stolen all the money out of the Medicare trust funds. They've already stolen all of the money out of the Highway Trust Fund. So we'll rely on them. It's like the border's not open, you know. Oh, the border's not open. What's wrong with you? Oh, we're not teaching critical race theory in our schools. That is a racist dog whistle. No, I'm blowing the dog whistle because you respond to it. You're a Fido, may I say with all due respect. Not you, them, of course. So this is what they do. They lie. We still have American citizens in Afghanistan. We still have American allies, Afghan patriots who fought with us. No more reporting on that, ladies and gentlemen. We don't know their names. We don't know what's happening to them. No more reporting whatsoever. No, no, no. It's a dog whistle, don't you know? The media, pathetic, absolutely corrupt. All of a sudden, we have these moderate Democrats. We've heard about Manchin and Cinema. Manchin and Cinema were about to cut a deal. Then they saw the polls before Tuesday's election. Then they saw Tuesday's election. It was, uh-oh. Plus, we had a Levin surge, you might recall, last week for Manchin and Cinema. These things make a difference. To politely put pressure on them. Not the buckle. Now we have all these moderates in the House. You know, the moderates that voted for Pelosi to be Speaker, even though they said they wouldn't. You know, the moderates in the House who voted to impeach Donald Trump twice, those moderates. You know, the moderates in the House that have voted for spending and spending and more spending. Now they're worried because the midterms are coming. 2022. And we are going to know each and every one of them this year is over because we're going to watch them. Like Gottheimer there in Bergen County, New Jersey. Gottheimer Schmidt. Remember that song, Mr. Producer? I think I sang it last week, didn't I? Yes, Gottheimer Schmidt. So we have Stephanie Murphy, Democrat Florida, all of a sudden is concerned. What's this going to look like? We don't know. Uh, Stanberger, Stanberger out of Virginia. Oh, she's concerned. She wants to know because she won by two percentage points in a Republican district. In Virginia. Oh, what's going to happen? We don't know. Yes. All the phony moderates. There are about 40 to 70 of them. 40 to 70 of them. 
So we'll see what happens. I don't think it's going to turn out very well for them. Because they keep following Nancy Pelosi of San Francisco. Beautiful city, at least it was, going to hell. It's unfortunate. I feel bad for the citizens there who are not part of the left-wing kook squads. You got Chuck Schumer of New York, another radical left-wing kook. He's trying to move to the left of AOC to protect his ass. And these are the two people who are driving the Democrat Party. What about the rest of the country? You got AOC, Ayach, moron extraordinaire, Talib, anti-Semite, Omar, anti-Semite. These are the people who are leading the Democrat Party when it comes to policy. And then you have the American media, the corrupt propagandists and their corporate masters. You've got slugs like Schmo Scarborough, Mrs. Schmo Scarborough. You've got mentally unhinged individuals like Brian Williams. You should have been there under the gunfire. You weren't there, you idiot. People like Fredo Cuomo, part of the Cuomo family, of course. Uh, I'll stop right there before I get in trouble. D. Lemon has a lawsuit for assaulting somebody. That wasn't very nice, D. No. No, and D. Lemon has no ratings either. They have no ratings whatsoever. Then, of course, we have uh, the great Jeffrey Tubin. The great Jeffrey Tubin. CNN had to make a policy just for him to keep his pants on. It's unbelievable. He's their legal analyst. Oh, yes, he's an analyst. Did you know that? Oh, yes, he is. What else do they have there among the reprobates? Oh, yes, fake tapper. God, he's obsessed with Trump. My God. Just can't get over it. It's another mental condition. You look at that place. It's an insane asylum. They ought to put pads on the walls there at CNN, the Constipated News Network. You ever see this guy, Jeff Motherzucker? Oh, my God. Does he not look like a walking dartboard, Mr. Producer? No offense. No offense. No offense intended. No offense. Then go over to MSLSD, I started. What a list. These are networks, news operations that believe America is racist. You're racist. That's their answer to everything. You must be racist. You're racist. You're racist. Just remember, Comcast owns NBC and MSNBC, and AT&T owns CNN. Now, we're not racists. You're the bigots, you're the racists, you're the anti-Semites. You're the frauds. This Joy Reid, remember her? Remember her on social media? Remember her with her bigotry, with her homophobic uh, posts? Somebody must have uh, broken into my social sites and, and posted these things. She wanted the FBI to investigate? It was her. MSLSD was so impressed they gave her a primetime show at 7 p.m. where she has no ratings. Wow. Um, how about Rachel Maddow? Rachel Maddow, a.k.a. Rachel Mad Cow. Yes. Russia collusion, Russia collusion. That's what, Russia collusion, Russia collusion. She's a fraud and a miscreant. There was no Russia collusion, you idiot. They don't care. They don't care because you're racist. You must be defeated at all costs. That's the narrative. 
They're self-righteous. They're self-aggrandizing. You, you've got to be defeated. It doesn't matter if these are lies. None of it matters. Oh, by the way, I will be on Hannity tonight on the Fox News channel. uh, I believe around 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time. I hope you'll join me. Now, every time I have to put makeup on. And trust me, I'm not putting on makeup for myself, Mr. Producer. I don't go that way. You understand my point? No makeup, no high heels, none of that. But I have to put makeup on because that HD, it like, it like focuses right in. Not that there's anything wrong with that, mind you. All right, I'll be right back. Mark in. vacation. I agreed to do certain things over the course of the last two years. We've had this virus. People have had to cancel events and then reschedule them, and I'm not one to go back on my word. So if I've agreed to something, I go ahead and I go forward with it. Um, I'm a homebody, and I don't even like doing a lot of events. But if I've agreed to them, then I've agreed to them. And so I won't be here Friday. Who's sitting in, Rich? Richie Z, Richie Zioli, WPHT Philadelphia, great guy, one of my buddies. All these people who fill in for me are my buddies. They're all superb, and I always wish the very, very best for them, as you well know, because that's the way it is. That's the way I do this. Um, And I also wanted to point out that because I won't be here to remind you tomorrow, please do jot down Sunday night show, Life, Liberty, and Levin. It's going to be a very, very good one. Uh, if you can't watch it live, of course, you can watch, uh, you can DVR it. I understand uh, Trey Gowdy wanted to watch the Dallas football game um, while I believe his uh, spouse was handing out candy. That's okay, but you got to DVR the show if you can't watch it live because I do this show for you, really. I do it for you. If people stop watching it, I'll stop doing it. It's that simple, but I really like doing it because we can spend time. It's a different kind of show with one or two guests and dig in, and I actually let them complete what they have to say. And don't forget, tonight, 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 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time, I will be on Hannity. I hope you'll join us then as well. I don't have enough time to get into this right now, but the Biden administration, as you know, about a month ago, they said they were going to use OSHA to impose nationwide vaccine mandates on any company that employs 100 people or more. Of course, OSHA was never intended to serve for that purpose. OSHA, the statutory foundation for OSHA, does not empower Obama or the executive branch to do such a thing. There's no legislative history whatsoever that even contemplates such a thing. And, of course... The penalties that they want to put in place are enormous. They will bankrupt companies. They will literally bankrupt companies. The penalty can be as high as $14,000 per employee. So I'm told. So this is a big deal. This is a very, very big deal. And so the Republicans have sued. 
and they should. Daily Wire has sued, and they should. And every organization, every single one, that employs 100 or more individuals should participate in these lawsuits. Violators will face a fine of up to $13,653 for an employee who is not vaccinated. And repeat offenders will face a fine of up to $136,532. Not the employee, the company. The company. So here you have the totalitarian efforts by the Biden administration. It's got to be done by, it'll begin uh, January 4th. The final dose must be by January 4th. And so you're going to see massive layoffs. They talk about the, the supply chain. Folks, we're not going to have enough people to do a damn thing here. Communist China is on the move. They're building up massively. They're building up for war. They're building up to be the number one superpower. Even this Millie, who's the uh, Helen Keller of the United States military, even this head of the Joint Chiefs of Staff says this is happening at an astonishing rate, astonishing rate. China has almost 1,000 nuclear warheads now. During the Clinton administration, they couldn't get a rocket off the ground. But thanks to Clinton, now they can. They now have the biggest navy in the world, 335 ships. They have the biggest regular army in the world. They are looking at geographic choke points all over the globe. And they're taking geographic positions in those choke points. This is serious. At the same time, look what we're doing to ourselves within. Our economic system, fossil fuels, massive taxation on individuals and corporations are planned. Redistribution of wealth. Laying off of Americans. And by the way, union workers too. This is the great Joe Biden, the union man. He's not a guy that's for working men and women. He's for government. They're all for government. So I want to discuss this a little bit further when we return, ladies and gentlemen. Stick with me. I'll be right back. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello America, Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. We have our good friend. True constitutionalist, I might add, Senator Mike Lee of Utah. Senator Lee, we now have the Biden administration. For God's sakes, they don't have the power through OSHA to force companies and workers uh, to comply with this dictate that everybody has to have a vaccine or else. Is this constitutional? No, it's not constitutional. It's not authorized by statute. Shoot, it, it's not even morally defensible, uh, no, nor is it acceptable to the American people. You know, Axios, hardly a left-wing publication, recently reported that only 14% of the American people think that people should be fired for refusing to get the vaccine. 
So, look, it, we got rid of our king in 1776, and no president ought to be able to do this. But the federal government shouldn't be doing this at all. And it should never allow this kind of concentration of power. I mean, Senator Lee, it's going to bankrupt these, these, some of these companies. I mean, they're not going to be able to withstand this, or they're going to fire these employees. And they're hollowing out our economy here, you know, while we're facing enemies abroad, while we're having economic challenges here. What kind of insanity is this? No, that's exactly right, Mark, and that's a feature, not a bug. Um, and in fact, um, it's not just the countries they're going to bankrupt. I mean, they're, they're threatened to bankrupt the com- companies because the companies will be bankrupted if they face these fourteen thousand dollar a day civil monetary penalties uh, per person, per violation, per day, designed literally to bankrupt them. That in turn puts the companies in a position where they have no choice but basically to fire all these people, to fire hardworking moms and dads, poor and middle-class Americans who are just struggling to get by and put food on the table. And, you know, in many, many cases, these people have really legitimate reasons why they shouldn't get the vaccine. But regardless of what the reasons are, Mark, it's not government's place to tell them that they've got to do it. It's simply immoral for the government to put them in this position where they have to choose between their closely held personal beliefs and their ability to provide for their families. That's wrong. And honestly, Senator, I don't understand this. I'm vaccinated. I got the booster. Now, why did I do that? To protect Mark, right? In my view, it'll help protect Mark. So if the guy next to me isn't, why do I give a damn? I'm just being honest. If that guy next to me isn't, other than, if I'm wrong, then why are we being vaccinated at all? What are they peddling here? It doesn't make any sense. No, it makes no sense at all. In fact, I was just listening a few minutes ago to a clip of the president's speech on September 9th when he was announcing all of this nonsense. They said, we've got to protect American worker, workers from their unvaccinated co-workers. We've got to protect the vaccinated from the unvaccinated. But wait a minute, the, the vaccinated are already protected. Isn't that what we want? And, and the other thing, Mark, is, you know, uh, our governor, uh, uh, Governor Cox in Utah, just put out a fantastic statement, by the way, on this. He made the point that if your objective is to encourage more people to get the vaccine, this is the dumbest thing you could possibly do. All this is going to do is sow discontent and discord and more reluctance on the part of the unvaccinated. Mm-hmm. It, it, you couldn't design something uh, more likely to make people more reluctant to get the vaccine than this. Now, the Republicans have brought a lawsuit. Other groups, Daily Wire is bringing a lawsuit. Others are bringing suits. I hope they seek at least some kind of temporary injunction as well, don't you? Yes. Yes, I hope they do. I, and look, I think there is a very significant likelihood here of uh, beating this thing in the courts. And we can't rely on the courts to do it, as we saw last week from the Supreme Court and that those that main dispute, the Supreme Court refused to weigh in on an emergency basis. So maybe there, there are enough justices who are not willing to intervene on an emergency basis. I hope they'll do differently in this case, given what an egregious overreach under federal law that this is. But, Mark, I tend to think, maybe, maybe I'll get this wrong, I tend to think this is the most egregious single act of presidential overreach since April 8, 1952. 
when Harry Truman seized every steel mill in the United States for the benefit of the Korean War effort. The Supreme Court smacked that down. Only took them a couple months. I think the same thing needs to happen here. But, Mark, there's a reason why the Biden administration waited two months before issuing this thing. And I think that reason has a whole lot to do with the fact that they knew corporate America would be scrambling to try to comply and not be flat-footed well in advance of this thing kicking in. They knew that corporate America would do their dirty work and fire a lot of people in the meantime. That is disgraceful. It's unforgivable. You know, Senator Lee, I think they're trying to do as much as they can in the next four years, even with an expectation of losing the next presidential election, and maybe the next two years with the expectation of losing uh, the House and the Senate, they just figure if they can just get this bill through, this build back ridiculous Marxist socialist bill, and do these other things with the mandates and so forth, and have the corporations on their knees begging for assistance and so forth and so on, they think they can change this country in two years, and potentially they can, can't they? Yes, yes, they can. You knock people out of their relationship with their employer, unable to make good on their promises to their families. What do they rely back on? Government. And and what they rely back on most between governments, probably the federal government, because it's the only one willing and able to print money in this country. Mm-hmm. It's harmful for everyone involved. It's a, it, it's a design feature, I fear. They're, they're wanting us to fall backward into the arms of government. But remember, Mark, government doesn't have arms with which to embrace you. It doesn't have eyes to see you. It doesn't have a heart with which to love you. Government is just force. That's all it is. It's violence with a badge. We need it, but it's dangerous, and we've got to treat it accordingly. Senator, I want you to listen to this. It's 11, uh, Mr. Producer. This is a montage of Democrats saying we won't force anyone to take COVID vaccine. Hat tip, Grabian. Cut, 11. Go. We cannot require someone to be vaccinated. That's just not what we can do. Needless to say, the right of women to make decisions about their own bodies is not negotiable. No, definitely not. You don't want to mandate and try and force anyone to take a vaccine. We've never done that. Our interest is very simple from the federal government, which is Americans' privacy and rights should be protected. It is a matter of privacy to know who is or who isn't. We don't want to be mandating from the federal government to the general population. It would be unenforceable and not appropriate. Perhaps the federal government should step in and issue mandates. And if not, are you putting the needs of unvaccinated people ahead of the needs of vaccinated people? Well, I think the question here, one, that's not the role of the federal government. No, I don't think it should be mandatory. I wouldn't demand to be mandatory. First, we must increase vaccinations among the unvaccinated with new vaccination requirements. So what happened, Senator Lee? I mean, uh, did the Constitution and the under- underlying statute for OSHA change three, four months ago? You know, I guess their, their own enlightenment uh, came about in this moment when all of a sudden they started treating government as if it were a deity, as if it, it were the entity to which we could look and live. It's not that. It still doesn't have that power. As Abraham Lincoln said, if you rename the tail of a dog a leg, it's still... Uh, the dog that just has four legs, not five. And so it, it doesn't have this power. It doesn't have this authority. I believe that in time this will be smacked down by the Supreme Court of the United States. The question is, 
how much pain and indignity will the American people have to endure in the meantime, which is exactly why I'm supporting an effort to make sure that Congress doesn't vote for any spending bill that funds the vaccine mandate. The American people don't want it. Democrats and Republicans, they do not want the government doing this. And we shouldn't be funding government as long as government is going to be doing this. Maybe it's me, but I feel like in the last, with some of these state governors in the last two years, and now with this Biden administration the last 10 months, there's been a lot of totalitarianism introduced into this republic. Do you agree with me? Yes, yes. And it's a particularly nasty form of it because it purports to be looking out for you. It's stepping into this parents patriot role. It's like uh, trying to save everyone. It doesn't have the ability to do that. But while purporting to be this, uh, this uh, uh, loving figure, it's actually ruling with an iron fist, and people are starting to get a glimpse of that. And it's why I, I, I can't emphasize enough that as we approach the December 3rd funding deadline for the federal government, I want to make sure that, look, let's, let's fund the other stuff, whatever other stuff Congress wants to fund. But let's not fund OSHA and let's not fund any part of government without a caveat that they can't use these funds to fund the vaccine mandate enforcement because it's wrong. What do you make of Fauci? My God, I mean, I just played this uh, montage for you. There he is on one side, now he's on another side. Is he not the most political, quote-unquote, scientist and medical expert in the federal government? I've never seen a guy like this. Yeah, well, he's very political. But more than anything, he's, he's someone who thinks he's infallible and is willing uh, uh, to recognize everyone's fallibility but his own. He's also a, a great example of the dangers inherent in the risks associated with the uh, excessive accumulation of power in the hands of the few. This guy's been in office for a long time. He's given, been given far too much deference, especially over the last 18 months. Mm-hmm. It's time for him to go. But in the meantime, it's also time for us to stop deferring to him at all. He has been elected by no one. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have the right to push us around. I mean, reporters even ask him, if we can celebrate Christmas. I mean, the media are so corrupt. I mean, it's unbelievable. If we had a serious media, they'd be checking everything he said against the science. If we had a serious media, they'd be looking at that OSHA statute. They would make the point. There's no, there's no uh, uh, statutory law that gives the, this kind of enormous authority to the executive branch to do this to businesses and so forth. And by the way, Senator Lee, I see a number of equal protection arguments here. Why businesses that have 100 or more employees and not all businesses. Why is it that illegal aliens don't have to get vaccinated at all? I mean, I can see some serious arguments here. If this is such an emergency, uh, then why are there gaps in their emergency orders, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Look, the, the constitutional implications of this thing go on and on, from due process to equal protection to the Commerce Clause. Why in the heck does the federal government have authority anyway? Mm-hmm to govern the day-to-day affairs of a workplace. This, this isn't the federal government's role. Sure, it's economic in nature, but uh, most work happens in one state at one time. This isn't the role of people in Washington, D.C. I talk about this all the time, and it's just sort of the, at the heart of almost every problem you see in Washington is that we've stopped recognizing 
that there is a difference between state power and federal power. Mm. Most power was never intended to be here. And I talk about this a lot on my website, by the way, at leeforsenate.com. Um, we talk about this a lot because this is what caused all the imbalances. This is what has led to the imperial presidency, and it's time for it to come to an end. I mean, even here, police powers. Police powers, the vast majority of them belong to the states, right? Criminal law, civil law, uh, law enforcement, the court systems, and all this is, if anything, it's a state matter. It's certainly not a federal matter. That's right. The the founding fathers went out of their way. They considered the matter, and they expressly decided to withhold general police powers from the federal government's purview. They said, we don't want general police powers there. General police powers, of course, are just, you know, broad authority to legislate for the health, safety, welfare, well-being of the people. We don't have that in Washington. We're in charge of weights and measures, trademarks, copyrights, and patents, declaring war, and regulating interstate and foreign trade. That's about it. There are a few others. But there's nothing in there that just says make the American people safe generally. That doesn't exist except at the state and local level, and it should never exist. We learned this through our last national government, the one that was based in London. You don't want that much power accumulating at the national level. It messes things up. It hurts people because government is violence with a badge. And like water and like fire and like electricity, it's deadly if you don't control it. Your point is we're creating a precedent here if this, if this uh, is able to, uh, to withstand uh, judicial scrutiny. And then they move on from here. They move on to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. They're never satisfied, are they? Did we lose the senator? All right. I believe we lost uh, Senator Lee. And he's running for re-election. And I strongly endorse Mike Lee. He is a fantastic senator and human being. Wonderful family as well. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. back with us. You know, Senator Lee, the idea that you're going to get 100% of the population to get vaccinated is an absurdity. That's number one. Number two, people who have, let's get into some of this science, people who have natural immunity having gotten this virus, study after study, the CDC is even lying about this. They don't need to be vaccinated. So why would they get vaccinated? Number three, there are some, uh, there is some evidence, I don't know how strong, that pregnant women perhaps shouldn't get vaccinated. But these are decisions people need to make with their own doctors. You know, when it comes to abortion, which you and I both oppose, they say it's a choice. But when it comes to vaccination, it's not a choice. How do you square that? Well, you don't. You don't square it at all. And in this circumstance, it's even that much more different because you're, you're literally talking about a decision for yourself about what you think is the best thing for your health. Very different than abortion in that respect, because abortion has as its object the termination of unborn human life. Uh, in other words, it's even worse. But go ahead. Yeah. Oh, far worse, far, far worse, exactly. So, but at the, at the end of the day, they are making everyone more skeptical about this because they're refusing to acknowledge that anyone could disagree. 
there are dangerous things that happen when people try to take debatable matters and move them beyond debate. When people get the sense the government's hiding information from them, that it's coercing them, that's using coercion instead of gentle persuasion, that's wrong. And so uh, that, that's, that's why we've got to push back on this. It's not easy to do, but look, the American people are with us, so Congress shouldn't be funding the enforcement of this thing. And that's why I'm encouraging all my colleagues in the Senate to sign the Roger Marshall letter. Senator Roger Marshall, my colleague from Kansas, has authored this great letter saying, let's not vote to fund the enforcement of this vaccine mandate. And we're not going to vote for anything that does. And they're going to use OSHA that can conduct uh, inspections. Inspections yes. of the workforce to enforce this. Yes. That's because these, these agencies with which we've invested all this power, the, 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 the power to make rules carrying the force of law, the power to enforce those laws, purporting to have the power even to adjudicate them, all by ele- unelected, unaccountable bureaucrats, people who don't stand for election or even stand accountable to anyone who is. Unbelievable. These are the powers of the despot, and they're wrong. S- Senator Lee, give us your website again. I know you're up for election, and our people want to help you. Go ahead. LeeForSenate.com. I need all the help I can get. LeeForSenate.com. LeeForSenate.com. Levinites, that's LeeForSenate.com. Senator, thank you very much. We'll be right back. Ends at Liberty begin. The Mark Levin Show at 877-381-3811. When we want common sense and leadership, we look to, among others, but especially Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida. This vaccine mandate that's been put out, it's unconstitutional, it's illegal. And DeSantis says that today as well. Cut 12, go. A year and a half ago, we started with 15 days to slow the spread, and, and now it's gone to get jabbed or lose your job. And today's OSHA rule, a uh, very long time coming, we were, we were waiting for it, uh, that was issued. If you look at it, uh, here it is. It's almost 500 pages. And so we're supposed to be a government of laws, not a government of men. Uh, this is 500 pages of a government of a bureaucracy a government that is being run by executive edict, not in accordance with the typical constitutional processes. And uh, the state of Florida is going to respond, and we will combat uh, the OSHA rule. As soon as it's published, uh, the state of Florida will be joining with Georgia and Alabama, as well as private plaintiffs, uh, to file suit. Uh, This is a rule that is not consistent with the Constitution and is not legally authorized through congressional statutes. Uh, There is no federal police power. Uh, The federal government can't just unilaterally impose medical policy under the guise of workplace regulation. And that is exactly what they're trying to do here. They don't provide any instances why uh, the workplace is somehow different than anything else that's been done uh, with any of this. Uh, This is attempt to shoehorn policy uh, through the bureaucracy in a way that will... um, uh, be difficult for some of these uh, individuals and private uh, parties uh, to resist. Yeah, because of the the $14,000 per employee fine and up to about $150,000 for repeat offenders. Unbelievable. I can't believe that this would be upheld 
by the Supreme Court. This I can't believe. More DeSantis. Cut 13. Go. But ultimately, people should be able to make these decisions. I don't think people want this decision yanked away from them. I don't think they want to allow a precedent where the federal government could come in and just force you uh, to do what it wants you to do. And make no mistake about it, those individuals who have uh, been gone through a normal vaccination series for COVID, uh, you will be determined to be unvaccinated very soon. They will do that. They are going to tell you you're unvaccinated and you have to get a booster. Otherwise, you could potentially uh, face loss of employment or other types of penalties. So that is going to happen. They're not putting that in the rule, but they're already asking for feedback on how to do this going forward. So this is just the tip of the iceberg. It's the slippery slope, and it really does exist. And the government will get used to mandates. And it'll be mandating more and more and more. And it's going to spread out horizontally and vertically. And now, five-year-olds to 11-year-olds, they're going to mandate vaccines. Let me tell you something, folks. They tell us to follow the science. The science does not support this in any respect. Period. Period. There certainly has not been enough testing to determine whether five to 11-year-olds should be vaccinated. That's number one. That's number one. Number two, the death rate among 5 to 11-year-olds is so minuscule. Look, every death matters. But when you're looking at a nation and a population talking about vaccines, it's so minuscule as to be absurd. We don't ban automobiles because of the number of of children between the ages of 5 and 11 are hit by cars. This CDC has been politicized. It is out of control. Fauci's politicized. He's out of control. Joe Biden is not the president of the country. There's some invisible, shadowy team of, of oligarchs, hardcore Marxist leftists trying to impose their will. And I'm going to tell you something, and I really believe this. They are using this to try and expand the power of government. They're using this to take a statute uh, under OSHA in a way that is perverse, that twists it into a pretzel, so they can do it to other aspects of our society, other aspects of your life, through other bureaucracies. This is a test case. That's exactly what it is. A test case. Now, they have lawyers. They have good lawyers. Those lawyers have to be telling them that this isn't constitutional, that this isn't legal. The Attorney General of the United States is politically corrupt. He's an ideologue. So he's not going to put his foot down, and so are all the senior people of the Department of Justice. We've seen this. We know this, as a matter of fact. Ask the parents in Loudoun County and other places across the country. But this is absurd. Any White House counsel, any OMB general counsel, Any office of legal counsel at the Department of Justice would all know that the federal government does not have plenary police powers, as I discussed, as Senator Lee discussed, as Governor DeSantis has discussed. This is a fundamental aspect, a core aspect of our society, of how we've divided up powers. And that's why this has never been done before, ever, ever. There's no Supreme Court decision that supports this, despite those slip-and-fall lawyers who pretend there is, despite those slip-and-fall lawyers who lie about precedent. But if this, if this holds up, 
You're going to have all kinds of new precedent. And here's the problem. This country is not moving in the direction of liberty. This country is constantly moving in the direction of tyranny and totalitarianism. Your individual liberties are under attack. Now you might say, oh, come on, it's a vaccine. I am telling you, it's true. Whether it's in the classroom, whether it's school boards, whether it's the border, whether it's your health decisions, whether it is hiring 85,000 IRS auditors to harass you for the rest of your life, if you dare, dare to spend $600. It's appalling what's going on. And this is the Democrat Party. These are the American Marxists. And if you disagree with them, look at what the media do to you. Look what the media call you. You're racists. You're Neanderthals. You're this or you're that. That's the American media. A group of stupid, low IQ, inexperienced, wealthy slobs. That's right, I said it. It's shocking. They're for big government all the time and any time. They're for every and any Democrat all the time and any time. They back every one of these Marxist movements. Climate change. Oh, wow, what a phrase. What a nomenclature. It's a degrowth attack capitalism movement. Comes out of Europe, 1970s, Marxist movement. Oh, oh, critical race theory doesn't even exist. But if it does exist, you white people really don't want to talk because you don't want to teach about racism. It's not just white people that have a problem with this. This isn't a matter of teaching about racism and slavery in American history. We all know what it means. They either don't know what it means or they do know what it means, but they're pathological liars. In the American media, what a joke. What a joke. They would be perfectly comfortable in a communist regime, except for the fact that they wouldn't be living high off the hog as they do in Washington, D.C., as they do in New York, as they do in L.A., the three centers of the American media. The three centers of the American media, corrupt, corrupt through and through. And these corporatists that run it, whether it's AT&T, whether it's Comcast, whatever the hell it is. Disgusting. These frauds, like Jeff Motherzucker. And then Big Tech that throws their weight in. Big Tech, that clown Zuckerberg. And the other dithering idiot with the beard. What the hell is his name? I don't know. I don't know. The guy with cockroaches in his beard. Do you remember his name, Mr. Producer? Twitter? What is this fool? That doesn't matter. Who cares? Dorsey. Dorky. That's right. Dorky. No, we got to mandate this because it's for the health of the American people. And they have us now at each other's throats. If you're not vaccinated, you're a killer. You out of your mind? Are you out of your mind? Folks, if you're concerned about the virus, or if you have conditions, heart disease or other issues, as I do, then get vaccinated. Take care of yourself. If that's what you want to do, then do it. And if you're vaccinated, they tell you the vaccines work, right? Now, either they work or they don't work. Now, if you want people vaccinated, you're mandating it. You're going to put businesses out of business if they don't impose it. Then that damn thing better work. And if it works, who cares if the guy next to you is vaccinated or not? 
Why does it matter? I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. We've got more to do here. The CDC director, Rochelle Walensky, of the famous Walensky High Wire Act, the Walenskys. What's that? It's Walenda. It's the Walendas, but also the Walenskys. Did you not know that, honey? I did not. The Walendas and the Walenskys. Oh, yes, High Wire Act. Rochelle Walensky at a hearing today. Uh, How many in the CDC? How many in the CDC uh, are vaccinated? What does she have to say? Go. What percent of CDC employees are vaccinated? We're actively encouraging vaccination in all of our employees and doing a lot of education and outreach in order to get our agency fully vaccinated. And the, but the percent? I, I don't have that for you today. Well, I think she should be fine, don't you, Mr. Producer? $14,000 an employee. Oh, yeah. Shut it down. Shut down the CDC because they're not going This is the way it works. Our rulers abide by different rules. We saw that with these governors, these reprobates. But we, the plebes, the serfs, the servants, we have to comply. Now, there are exceptions. If you're an illegal alien crossing the border, regardless of whether you have a criminal background, regardless of whether you're dealing drugs, regardless of you're a member of MS-13, you managed to get here. Sort of an unknown getaway, I think they call them. Well, then, none of this applies to you. We have two sets of rules. One, for illegal aliens who come into this country and we don't know about them. And two, the rest of us, law-abiding American citizens who follow the laws and pay our taxes. That's right. We're the ones. You know, the racists, as the media call us. All the racists out there. We're the ones that make the country work. We're the ones that provide the food and harvest it. We're the ones who truck it across the country. We're the ones who put it on the shelves to feed their fat faces. That's correct. Have you ever seen a so-called journalist who's skinny? Have you, Mr. Producer? Though almost every damn one of them is overweight. Look at them with their double chins. Look at them. Look at them with their $1,200 suits and their $1,200 dresses. Look at them. Overpaid morons. That's what they are. Oh, look at me. I'm famous. You're not famous. You're on CNN. Nobody watches CNN. More people watch ra- airport radar and sonograms than watch CNN. Look at me. I'm at MSNBC. Yes, you are. You're a puke. May I say with all due respect, not. Rochelle Walensky, CDC director. How many CDC employees are vaccinated? I don't know. Well, you have more than 100 employees. I don't know. I have another question, Mr. Producer, in America. How many employees at OSHA are vaccinated? That's right. How many employees at OSHA are vaccinated? What percentage? Uh, I don't know. I remember they were asked at how many of the people at the White House were vaccinated. They didn't have an answer for that either. They didn't have an answer for that either. Most of them should be vaccinated for rabies, as far as I'm concerned. The tyranny continues. 
Exactly right. Exactly right what DeSantis said. We've gone from 15 days to fight the spread to endless days, weeks, months, years. And you shall, you shall take a needle. You shall. Whether you need it or not, you will do what I say. So will your children and grandchildren. You will do what I say. Maybe they'll hand out uniforms and boots next. Well, don't you want people to live? You're damn right I do. Isn't it interesting? Where are all the statistics on all the people who got all kinds of ailments and even died? And even died during that one-year period when Fauci was running the country. Yes. What happened then? Nobody knows. How many people have gotten this illness? Nobody knows. We're not keeping track of that. Do you know why? Because they don't want you to know. They don't want you to know about natural immunity and antibodies. That's science. That's science with any virus. That's science. But I dare to find it. Once you find it, tell me where it is. Professor slash Dr. Rich of Yale. He's attacked as a kook. Must be a racist too, you know. Uh, whoa, whoa. Against critical race theory maybe. Oh, yes. He said about 70%, he estimates. 70% and over 70% have been vaccinated. You know what that means? A tiny percentage of the people who aren't vaccinated do not have natural immunities. And yet the government is exploiting this. You know, I went back and I looked at a chapter in Liberty and Tyranny. It's almost 13 years old. And just as American Marxism was, was uh, simultaneously available with this latest movement, and it is a movement, all the people who are not involved in these movements that had nothing to do with them are all commenting on them, and suddenly they're experts on them in Washington, D.C., and in New York and everything. They're talking out of their backsides. They don't really know much. All of that said, I went and looked at Liberty and Tyranny, and there's an entire section on there about how the government exploits safety issues, health issues, emergency issues to grab power. And we see it now more than ever. At every level of government, we see it now more than ever. And if you don't go along, you're killing people. And if you don't go along, you're unpatriotic. No more is it a matter between you and your doctor. No more is it a matter between you and your boss. The federal government has never had plenary police power to go into the workplace and dictate that people have got to get needles. Ever. Never. I'll be right back. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. Don't forget, I'm on Hannity tonight around 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time. And Sunday's Life, Liberty, and Levin, 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Fantastic. I know you're going to love it. I won't be here tomorrow to remind you. So uh, 
Please make a mental note of that. If you don't want to watch it or can't watch it live, you can certainly DVR it. I understand that's what Trey Gowdy does, by the way. But don't worry, ladies and gentlemen. The White House deputy press idiot, uh, Pasaki's out. She apparently has the plague. The White House deputy press secretary idiot says, listen, these vaccine mandates, they won't affect the supply chain. And how does she know? She'd been in the real world? I don't know. Has she driven a truck? She'd been a longshoreman? Has she worked on a freighter? Of course not. She's an ideologue. They don't know what the hell they're talking about. Cut 16, go. Like I said, we wanted to make it easier. We wanted to avoid con- confusion. And so we want to even the playing field. And this is why we moved that December, I think, December 8th deadline that you're talking about to January 4th. How did concerns about the supply chain, the possibility of workers maybe quitting because of these mandates play into that decision and that timing? So, um, I mean, if you're asking, like, if we think the... Hey, the, the, hey if you're asking, like, you know, uh, um, uh, like, cool, man. Uh, if you're asking, you know, like, uh, like, uh, go ahead. Supply chain, the answer is no. We don't think that it will. Uh, first of all, vaccine requirements work. Huh? What is she talking about? What is she talking about? Vaccine requirements work. Didn't a few months ago they said they don't have the power to impose vaccine requirements? Now they try to use OSHA. Are you kidding me? Occupational Safety and Health Administration? I told you already, the federal government doesn't have plenary or broad police powers. That's left to the states. But Mark, 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 the virus goes between states. I don't care. This is the first virus this country has experienced. Moreover, we have a southern border that's wide open. That is the responsibility of the federal government. People are coming across the southern border with the virus. Lots of them. Without being vaccinated. Many of them illegally. And unknown. So mandates apparently don't work for illegal aliens who come into the country whose identities are unknown. But apparently they don't care about that. Do they? Answer? No. No. And it even gets worse. What about payoffs to illegal aliens? Joe Biden doesn't even know what his own administration is doing. You saw what he said to Peter Ducey. So what he said to Peter Ducey, nah, what, what are you, keep spreading that garbage? And then the ACLU, because it's an inside job, the American Criminal Liberties Union and the Department of Justice, they're working out this settlement because the Department of Justice wants to take your hard-earned cash that you gave with tax dollars and give them to illegal aliens. That's what they want to do. So they're working out a deal. That's what it is. It's an inside-outside deal. That's how it works. Biden, uh, uh, what are you, uh, spreading that garbage, Ducey and fuck? Come on, what what are you doing there? But Corinne Jean-Pierre, the White House deputy press idiot, she knows better. Cut 17, go. President Biden is calling these reports about the administration paying up to $450,000 to illegal immigrants who are separated from family members garbage. He says it's not going to happen. But the ACLU says that it is. So who is right? Are you talking about the question you asked him yesterday? Yes. So, um... So, I'm like, um, so... You know, like, uh, well, um, uh, so, so, like, you know, um, go ahead. Payer dollars and puts uh, the disastrous history of the previous administration's use of hey, zero. Hey, dummy! Tol- the disastrous history of the existing administration. 
If you secured the border, this wouldn't be going on. Now, do you folks want to know why the Trump administration separated children from adults for a period of time? Because they needed to try and figure out, and they needed some time to figure out, if those children belonged to those adults. Or if those children were kidnapped, or if those children were, were part of a sex slave operation. You know, everybody doesn't come in with their papers, or their birth certificates, or driver's licenses and so forth. So that's why there's separation. Why do you think there's separation? Well, the disastrous history of the past, I'm um, like, as uh, so, you know, you know, um, uh, so, is, is this a joke? This administration? Are you kidding the disasters that have gone on under this administration, the rape, the deaths, the molestation of little kids, MS-13, we won't even realize the extent of what they've done here until these jerks are out of office. Go ahead. And family separation behind us, the president is perfectly comfortable with the Department of Justice settling with the individuals and families who he are He said cur- it was garbage, so how can he be perfectly comfortable? See, this is the problem when you have a president who uh, is incapable of knowing night from day and a wall from a door. This is the problem. They speak for the president like he's, uh, like he's a, a sock puppet. Like he's a sock puppy. You know, I'm old enough to remember the Ed Sullivan show where this guy had his hand and he drew eyes on his finger and, and he'd move his thumb and his forefinger and, and it would be talking. I forget, the French guy, whatever his name was. Yes, 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 yes. I mean, that's what's going on here. It's like somebody put their hand in the back of Biden's head and is moving his mouth. Go ahead. ...with the U.S. government. You know, DOJ... Ah, shut up, you idiot. Tired of listening to you. Why are you even up there? You and uh, Pasaki. You and Pasaki. Like you know anything. You don't know anything. You're like, uh... I don't know. Like robots. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Well, we just had an election, and another one's coming up quite quickly. So who better to talk to about these sorts of things than John Fon and, of course, his partner, Hans von Spakovsky. John is with us with a fantastic new book, Our Broken Elections, How the Left Changed the Way You Vote. John Fund, how are you, sir? A pleasure, Mark. Salute. It's morning in America again. Amen. Almost. Amen. This is a fantastic book. Why don't you go through aspects of it that you think will be particularly intriguing to the audience here? Well, what I tried and Hans tried to do in the book is we tried to assemble everything that was absolutely nailed down, provable, documented in every way, shape, or form to present to the American people the thesis that we have a sloppy, broken, messed up election system that's more worthy in some states, not in all, of a third world country. And the problem with the 2020 election was in the very beginning, because in the very beginning with COVID, we had the left health bureaucrats and governors ignore the legislature, ignore the law, put in regulations to impose mail-in voting, various changes in the procedures, lower barriers to election irregularities and fraud. In other words, to basically reinvent our election system right in the middle of it 
And that created all the problems that we've heard about on November 6th. The problem, Mark, is, and you know this, uh, as you know, there's standards of proof. What I can prove in the book is that we will never know exactly what happened on November 6th. But we do know this. You, we created a system through these uh, COVID changes and other things, uh, and Mark Zuckerberg box, which we can talk about, I hope, where you couldn't tell where the incompetence ended and the fraud might have begun. Mm-hmm. That's exactly right. And it is an interesting, John Fund. the Democrat Party never really wants to put in place any guardrails. Why is that? Because all these changes help them, right? Mark, a majority of the House Democratic membership has voted already to give 16-year-olds the right to vote. Mm-hmm. Think about that. Now, that is such an astonishing lowering of standards. I mean, look, I'm not, I'm, I love young people. But 16-year-olds, give me a break. Mm-hmm. And ev- everything. You know, we th- New Jersey, we just had New Jersey. In 2020, the New Jersey governor decreed that every registered voter would get a mail-in ballot, even though 15 to 20 percent of the ballot registrations in this country are people who are eligible, who have moved, who are dead. We don't clean the voter rolls. So if you send everybody a ballot, you have hundreds of thousands of ballots floating around that anyone can use and send in. This year, before the governor's race we just saw, Mark, they codified that into law. The legislature, Democratic legislature rammed it through. So we had a whole slew of mail-in ballots that came in at the end. They were counted at the end. They were held back by the Democratic counties. I can't prove that there were shenanigans. I can tell you it's very suspicious because the Republican candidate was leading, and suddenly he wasn't when the mail-in ballots came in. Isn't what's going on here is matters that would be fraud are codified or legalized, which is your point, making it almost impossible to go to court and say, look, we have fraud here. It's a, it's, it's a, on, on a, or a pattern of fraud here. Well, I'll give you an example. You know, I'm not the world's biggest fans of audits like the one in Arizona, because what the one in Arizona did is it did find irregularities, and the legislature is going to clean up some of the procedures they found. But if you're counting a bunch of mail-in ballots, Mark, that come in, and there's two parts of the ballot, the part that has the signature and the evidence that this is the voter and the affidavit, and then there's the ballot. Well, it comes in. Some clerk or some scanner looks at it, and sometimes the dials were set so low on signature verification the last election, we don't even know if some of those signatures were valid. And then the ballot is separated. One part goes over here. The ballot goes in with all the other ballots to preserve the secret ballot rule. And if you have an audit, you can find out that, yes, you have so many pieces in pile A and so many pieces in pile B. It doesn't tell you if they're valid. It just tells you that the counter counted accurately. I need to go through the table of contents so the audience knows the extent of, of uh, your and, and Von Spakovsky's uh, uh, coverage here. It's really, it's really comprehensive. Taking advantage of the COVID pandemic to change the way we vote. Another chapter, the media and President Trump's Presidential Advisory Commission on Election Integrity. The tool of choice for vote thieves, absentee ballot fraud. The many ways election fraud happens. Liberals dream legislation, H.R. 1, and the threat to election integrity in the First Amendment. Mark Elias, Inc., the legal uh, general up for the left. Zuckerbucks, the Center for Tech and Civic Life. Vote trafficking, automatic voter registration, and ranked choice voting, a recipe for coercion, fraud, and confusion. I mean, it, you really have covered the entire playing field here. You wanted to hit Zuckerbucks. Go ahead. Well, Mark, you're a lawyer. 
Imagine if a company that had a very spotty OSHA record and was really being bothered by the workplace enforcement rules for accidents decided that, you know, rather than clean up their act, they're going to change the rules. So what they do is they create a foundation, a 501c3, and they go to the local federal OSHA office and they say, you know, we're going to give you a whole bunch of money because we really believe in workplace safety. All you have to do to accept this extra money, which you can hire more bureaucrats with, is sign a contract with us that you'll change your rules on workplace management and enforcement. And by the way, those are kind of the changes we want because they'll basically give us a pass. Everybody would be outraged. It would be a complete perversion of the regulatory process. Well, Mark Zuckerberg, through his various foundations, put in $350 million in the 2020 election, and they went to all of these election offices around the country, most of them in Democratic states, almost all of them in swing states, and said, you know, Philadelphia, you've got a $10 million annual budget for elections. How'd you like to make it $22 million? We'll give you $22 million this year. All you have to do is sign this contract saying, oh, you'll have voter registrations the way we want it. You'll have drop boxes that don't have cameras, that don't have proper monitoring. Uh, you'll loosen your absentee ballot rules. Uh, you'll have a certain way of counting the votes on election night. And they did. They signed these contracts. It's happened all over the country. In fact, in Green Bay, Wisconsin, the local registrar of voters basically had to resign because she said, some guy from the foundation is coming in here and he's telling my employees what to do, and I've basically lost all my power. In other words, they basically privatized the election system in her town. So this has been one of the great unreported stories of the 2020 election. A multi-billionaire big tech mogul came in with $350 million to subvert our election process. Now, it wasn't technically illegal because no one thought anyone would ever try this. Since then, a lot of states have declared it illegal. We have to have every state declare it illegal. That is one of the great stains in the 2020 election. Absolutely unbelievable that Zuckerberg would buy these votes in these particular areas, Democrat areas, mostly in the inner cities. Mark Elias, we've talked a lot about him here. Give us your, your thoughts on him. Well, this is the guy who... Uh, I think, manipulated the Washington governor's race in 2004. He handed Al Franken a Senate race victory that he shouldn't have gotten in 2008. And by the way, that changed history. It gave the Democrats 60 votes in the Senate that allowed them to pass Obamacare without uh, needing a filibuster-breaking, by giving them a filibuster-breaking majority. And he since then has basically been suing every possible election integrity law, claiming racism in a crowded political theater. Uh, he is the legal general of the left, and he was he was hired by Mark McAuliffe in a desperation move just before the Virginia election. I can guarantee you if the election in Virginia had been any closer, Mark Elias would be in court right now with all kinds of spurious uh, theories yelling racism. That's amazing. I mentioned that the other day, a couple of weeks back, when it came out that he had hired, uh, that McAuliffe had hired Elias. And, of course, Media Matters and media I said, oh, here we go again, talking about stolen elections. The media have, have been complicit in a lot of this, haven't they? From Russia collusion, which was an absurdity to begin with. And now any objection to what's been done, you know, violations of the, the authority of state legislatures under the federal constitution or other changes that are made by courts or it, you're not even supposed to raise those now, are you, John? You know, Mark... Uh, the Supreme Court in 2008, when it ruled that voter ID was constitutional, John Paul Stevens, the most liberal justice at the time, who had been working in Chicago for many years, and he knew that voter fraud existed, he wrote, there's a long storied history 
and disgraceful history of voter fraud in this country. And he said the media has been one of the bulwarks against it. He cited Pulitzer Prize after Pulitzer Prize, the Miami Herald, the Cleveland Plain Dealer, people who won Pulitzer Prizes for uncovering voter fraud. That is all gone now. Now the media is in a partisan direction, basically ignoring a story saying something that happens before our very eyes doesn't exist. Are you able to hold on after the bottom of the hour, John Fun? Would love to. Thank you, Mark. The book is Our Broken Elections, How the Left Changed the Way You Vote. This is the definitive book, folks. Go to Amazon.com, any retail store, Our Broken Elections. Mark Levin, radio's principal patriot. Call in now at 877-381-3811. I'm here with my friend John Fun. He's a great author. He's a great writer. He's a great, great journalist. The book is Our Broken Elections, How the Left Changed the Way You Vote. It's also co-written by Hans von Spakovsky. Now, folks, I want to tell you something. This is a compelling book. This lays it all out, and it's written in plain English. It's totally comprehensive about what has happened to our election system and how to fix it. John Fund, you say one of the main areas under attack for fraud, absentee ballots. Tell us about it. Well, look, absentee ballots have been around since the Civil War. Soldiers use them, people who are bedridden, people who are traveling. There's a perfectly good reason to have absentee ballots. But too much of something can be not necessarily a good thing. First of all, if you use an absentee ballot you're giving up your right to a secret ballot because somebody's going to be looking at how you voted. Secondly, some states allow you to vote six weeks in advance. Mark, think about this. There are people who voted in 2020 before the debates were finished. Mm-hmm. Why do you have campaigns if you don't have, let people listen to the campaign? We don't. We, the Constitution talks about election day. It doesn't talk about election month. In fact, mm-hmm. I think there's a legal challenge in there somewhere. Uh, second, lastly, look, absentee ballots can be prone to ballot harvesting. This is what California did, which is how they netted all those House seats in 2018 in the uh, landslide that brought Nancy Pelosi to power. You can allow third parties who are not related or part of the family of uh, voters, you allow p- third parties to go door-to-door collecting ballots that have been mailed to them, sometimes perhaps assisting people in filling out their ballot, sometimes perhaps not delivering the ballot that they're collecting because they think the person voted the other way, and in places like Pennsylvania and California, ballot harvesting became sort of the vote du jour. It became the way that people could collect hundreds of ballots, and who knows what mischief was done on the way to the actual collection agency. It's just shocking to me, uh, John Fun, because, you know, 20 years ago, most of this wasn't taking place. Motor voter was controversial. So in addition to this virus, prior to the virus and so forth, this has been pretty much a scheme that has been promoted by the Democrat Party and the hard left, and they have tried to codify it, haven't they? The saddest thing is that, you know, in 2002, we had a bipartisan election law. Uh, Chris Dodd, the Democrat from Connecticut, and uh, believe it or not, Mitch McConnell, the Republican from Kentucky, were the co-authors. It was called the Help America Vote Act. And Chris Dodd, the Democrat at the time, said, this purpose of this law is to make it easy to vote and hard to cheat. We are Americans. We can do both. And that law did that. It enabled people to vote. It removed some barriers. 
It also told the state, you must clean up your voter registration rolls. They're a disgrace. If you don't clean them up, the federal government can come in and sue you and force you to clean up your voting rolls because we're not giving you money for voting machines and other improvements in your system. Well, you know, the money was sent out. And the Barack Obama administration explicitly said, we are never going to sue a state if their voter rolls are out of whack or inaccurate, because that will discourage our voter turnout. That was their phrase, our voter turnout. And I have to tell you, the Trump administration dropped the ball on this. They didn't pursue it zealously. And the Biden administration has completely ignored this. Our voting registration systems are a disgrace. We can fix them. We can have a much cleaner system if we force the states to clean them up. Los Angeles County just lost a lawsuit against Judicial Watch, whom you've had on your show. They are going to have to take 1.5 million registered voters off the rolls because they're in outdated and inaccurate, and that's in a county of only 10 million people. Mm-hmm. The book is Our Broken Elections. You can get it right now, Amazon.com. I'm telling you, my audience in particular... This is going to be very, very compelling to you. If you get it tonight, you can read it over the weekend. You're going to see step-by-step step what took place in this election. There's not wild conspiracy theories, none of that. They just go right through it like uh, Sherman through Atlanta. Now, let's talk about this, too. What about the media, the media's role in all of this? Disgraceful. Uh, as I pointed out, the media used to cover voter fraud. It used to uncover scandals. It's abandoned that role. It's become a partisan cheerleader. They completely distorted the bills that were being passed in Georgia and Arizona and Texas. And I have to tell you, though, you know, something did change after last November, Mark. Those Republican legislators in those states and other states, uh, they stiffened their spine and they passed those bills despite whatever Delta Airlines and whatever Major League Baseball was saying and doing. Mm-hmm. They passed them. We can make this better. This is not a lost cause. If we just had clean voter registration rolls, we'd be way ahead of the game. If we just limited mail-in balloting to, like, you know, two weeks before the election or made, or, or made it more early voting, we actually have to vote in the presence of a government official rather than trust the post office. By the way, Mark, can you believe this? We're trusting votes to the post office? Yeah. I, CBS News did a survey. They mailed 50 sample post office mail-in ballots to a box in Philadelphia. Forty-six of them eventually arrived after three weeks, but four of them didn't. Imagine all the elections that are close that would be turned if you didn't have the ballots actually arrive, four out of 50. This is an outrage. We're trusting the Postal Service to deliver our votes. What kind of record do they have? What's the chance of fixing this? Maybe state by state by state? You do have suggestions in here. Well, look, let's, let's cheer. The Republicans in Congress finally stood up, every single one of them, and blocked that ridiculous federal takeover elections that Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer were pushing. It's, in fact, it went down to defeat a fourth time in the Senate today. So, belatedly, and I'm not really a big fan, usually, of Republicans in Congress, they did stand up and say, we will not allow a federal takeover of elections. So that's off the table for now. Secondly, more and more states are changing it, and... If the Republicans take over again in the White House, I can guarantee you, I think they've learned their lesson, and we're going to see the federal government sue the states to clean up their voter voter registration rolls. And what is the argument against cleaning up voter registration rolls from dead people, people who've moved, people who are registered multiple times? Well, you know, I joke sometimes, and this is only half a joke, that apparently they believe in representation without respiration. <laughs> Well, that's very good. But seriously, they say, of course, that it's racist and discriminatory, and the wrong people will be 
uh, you know, taken off the rolls. Stacey Abrams claimed that a whole bunch of registrations hadn't been put on the rolls because of uh, racist voter registrars when she ran for governor. It turned out that most of the registrations she was complaining about had been sloppily filled out, improperly submitted, and they were submitted by the organizations that she ran. Mm-mm-mm. In other words, talk about projection. She was yelling fire in a crowded political theater, and she'd been the arsonist. I hear she uh, won the governorship in Virginia. Is that true? You know, Hillary Clinton's people after the 2016 election fought this on the on the congressional floor, and they were wrong. Stacey Abrams fought it on the floor of uh, the Georgia legislature, and she was wrong. I think some of Donald Trump's supporters went way over the line, and they shouldn't have said and done what they did. Uh, you can get so angry at this that you lose your sense of proportion and common sense and the need for facts. The great thing about this bookmark is everything in here is completely documented. There's no Chinese communist computer conspiracy. There's no Lynn Wood, who's actually probably a double agent for the Democrats, spinning theories to try to convince (laughs) Trump voters not to turn out. I mean, look, this is a completely documented book, and it is nailed down, solid. You can cite it. You can trust it. You can take it to your local reporter and political party and say, here's the problem, and there's no conspiracy theory in it. Mm-hmm. All right, my friend. The book is Our Broken Elections, How the Left Changed the Way You Vote by John Fun and Hans von Spakovsky. Nobody better. You can get it on Amazon.com right now. I have it up on Getter and Parlor. The link there to make it convenient for you or any major bookstore. It's a hell of a book, and I know this must have taken a lot of time for you guys to do this. So uh, good luck with it, John. Well, frankly, you were a hero in the 2020 election. You followed a lot of this, and uh, we're just following in your footsteps, Mark. Well, you're very, very generous. God bless you, my friend. You take care of yourself. Thank you, Mark. All right. It's a great book. It really is. Our Broken Elections. I encourage you to get a copy. You can read it over the weekend. It is really compelling, and it lays it all out. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Forget, folks, 9.30 p.m. Eastern, I will be on Hannity. Don't forget Sunday, 8 p.m. Eastern. Wonderful show for you on Life, Liberty, and Levin. I won't be here tomorrow, uh, so I'm mentioning it to you now. By the way, here's an example of the kind of institutionalized fraud that exists, particularly in blue states, uh, by a couple of friends of mine. Uh, One friend says... That he was forced to vote provisionally in Passaic City, New Jersey. He was told he had requested a a mail-in ballot, which he had not. His friend was denied the right to vote completely in Bergen County, New Jersey. He was told he had already voted. He had not voted. Both registered Republicans. But no, 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 don't bring it up. Don't bring it up. No, 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 no. All right. Let's take a few calls here. Uh, let's go to Anthony, Pensacola, Florida, XM Satellite. Anthony, how are you, sir? We're here every evening. Go right ahead. You too. You're doing okay tonight? Okay. All right, I have to move on. I can't hear Anthony. I'm sorry, Anthony. Let's continue. John, Chicago, Illinois, on the Mark Levin app. John, go right ahead. Hey, Mark, honored to speak with you. Um, I just wanted to speak to, uh, to the mandates. 
Um, what I see them doing, although this administration has a lot of incompetency, uh, what they're doing is, is intentional. You've sort of touched on this before, but by, by purging those that question authority, you get rid of a lot, whether it be state, local, federal police, uh, teachers, uh, any other federal employees that stand up and say no to authority, you get rid of them and it's easier to control them. And the result is chaos. And when you have chaos, you have a better ability to come in federally and swoop in, and whether it's federalized police or federalize a town or federalize all schools. It's a, it's a much easier task once you get rid of those people. I don't disagree. And now in the private sector even. They're reaching into the private sector to try and do the same thing. All right, John, thank you for your call, my friend. Let's go to Brian, Bedford, New Hampshire, XM Satellite. Go right ahead. Good evening, Mark. I can't tell you what a great honor it is to actually be able to, to speak to you tonight. I've never thank called you. into a radio show ever in my life. And thank you to, to speak with you is an amazing honor. Um, I wanted to talk about what came out today with the, the vaccine mandates and, and how they're going to try to force private employers to 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 enforce this rule. And, and I just a lot of us are concerned. Um, I, I work for a company. We're not a huge company, but we're over 100 employees. And, of course, today when that came out, everybody was really kind of freaked out about it because of the vast majority of us in, in this establishment are, are not vaccinated. And, you know, we've been working straight through this since day one, uh, working as uh, in an automotive dealership. Mm-hmm. Well, um, let's just be honest. The Democrat Party is at war with the American people. <clears throat> That's the bottom line. They want to rush through this massive, transformative bill that is more than a spending bill. It'll turn this country inside out and upside down and will attack every principle, every core fundamental that this nation was founded on. And they want to do it quickly, and they want to do it before the midterm elections, which is so anti-democratic. That's their goal. Then you look at these mandates. And Governor DeSantis is right. We've gone from 15 days to... uh, to curb the spread to now uh, you have 15 days to get a vaccination or you're going to lose your job. This is the nature of tyranny. This is the nature of big government. This is why you cannot trust the Democrats. This is why you cannot trust these American Marxists because they will use occasions like this to impose their will. It's all about power. It's all about pushing people around. And more and more people, including people who voted for Joe Biden or voted for a congressional Democrat or a Senate Democrat, now understand what's at risk personally and why we have a Constitution and why there needs to be limited central power and why we believe in state uh, federalism as well. I'm very sorry to hear this, Brian. I appreciate your call, and you're going to hear this throughout the country now. This is unconstitutional, and it's utterly illegal. It's unconstitutional because the federal government does not have plenary power. It is illegal because OSHA does not have the statutory authority under the Labor Department to be uh, making decisions about vaccines. That belongs with the Department of Health and Human Services, and you'll notice they have an issue to regulation because they don't even have the statutory authority to do it. So if we have a legitimate court, if we have a legitimate court rather than activists appointed by Obama, etc., uh, this will be knocked down. But in the meantime... There's going to be a lot of damage done here, so we need a temporary injunction to stop this. I hope attorneys general from throughout the country, I hope private businesses throughout the country will pull their resources and attack this. And attack it. 
because this is tyranny and it's steering you in the face. Quickly, Poughkeepsie, New York, WKIP, Jim, go. Mark, um, I'm sitting here uh, listening to you with my uh, 12-year-old son who's in seventh grade and is a huge fan and always wants me to call in. So I just like to, to give What's a his name? to my son because Michael. Michael, it's a pleasure to have you listening, Michael. And we are here with our two dogs, and uh, he's um, getting ready to read American Marxism, and he goes to a Catholic school with other conservative-minded kids. All right, Jim, I got to run. God bless you, my friend. And again, we salute Michael. Ladies and gentlemen, we salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel. And I'll see you on 30 in 30 minutes on Hannity and on the radio. I'll see you on Monday. Don't forget Life, Liberty, and Levin on Sunday. Be well and God bless you.